Sometimes our eyes can play tricks on us. For instance, have you ever seen an image, a photo, or a drawing in which you saw more than one image within that picture? We know them maybe as optical illusions in which our brains focus on a particular image. Some may see one thing while others see another. Well, this morning, let me help you visualize exactly what I'm talking about. Now, I'm going to put up on the screen a picture. Now, this picture is a photo of a Swedish family taken in the 19th century. Now, I want you to take a good look at it and take note of what you see. Now, I want you to focus on the area that you see in the red box. What do you see in that box? Take a moment, and I want you to examine it carefully. Do you see a man's face and beard that might be interpreted as the face of Jesus? Or do you see a child wearing a bonnet? Or do you see both? You see, the real picture is of the child wearing a bonnet, but the vegetation can allow you to see an image of Jesus even though it's not really there. You see, those who have perfect vision can see things that aren't really there too. These are the optical illusions that trick our brain into seeing things differently. Yet if we were blind, we wouldn't be able to see such things, would we? Seems like a simple answer. Yet our scripture today from Matthew challenges that notion. Matthew shares a story today about two blind men who pursue Jesus, and despite their blindness, they are actually able to see more clearly than those who have 20-20 vision. Now, throughout our last few weeks together, we have been reading stories from Matthew about healings that Jesus did, miracles that Jesus performed, in which Jesus shows compassion and changes the lives of those who are ill. And over the last several weeks, we've looked at just a few of them, particularly those that mention the importance of having faith. And so today we conclude this portion of the healing stories that Matthew shares and that he pieces together. So he tells us this, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Matthew uses this phrase every now and then as Jesus went on from there to connect these healing stories together. And just prior to this passage that we just read, Jesus is with a family whose daughter has died. And Jesus goes into the home, and it is there that he raises this dead little girl back to life. Now, Jesus is not interested in becoming a circus sideshow event, and so his healings always point to the kingdom of God, to God's goodness, to God's compassion, to God's love who find themselves in desperate situations. And so he goes indoors with that family to bring about this healing. He doesn't do it in full view of everyone else. And I find that Jesus' miracles enable faith when it's lacking, but it also rewards faith when it's present. 
On this particular day, these two blind men are following Jesus. Now, in our day and time, we might call this stalking or even harassment. You see, they're not quietly following him. They are shouting out to get his attention. Have mercy on us, son of David, they yell. But Jesus seems to be ignoring them. He doesn't immediately address them nor tell them to be quiet. Instead, he goes into a house. And in doing so, these blind men continue to follow him, almost cornering him for a response. Nothing, including their blindness, will stop them from getting Jesus' attention. It's important to note what they are shouting at Jesus. They yell out to him, Son of David. Now, this is a title that is steeped in Jewish history, dating back to the prophet Nathan, exclaiming that God would raise up a king from David's succession that would have an eternal throne forever. The Jews longed for that day when the son of David would come, for this title is interchangeable with what we would call the Messiah, the anointed one. They are radically yelling out that Jesus is the son of David, that the Messiah has come in Jesus, and they are begging for him to have mercy upon them. Now, you would think that Jesus would challenge uh, their shouts or tell them to be quiet, but he doesn't do so. You would think that he would at least acknowledge that they're yelling this in the streets, but he doesn't do that. He refuses to address them there in public. And he knows that acknowledging such claims with any affirmation would only draw unnecessary attention and potentially jeopardize the rest of his ministry. You see, the Jews believed that the Messiah was a political figure who was supposed to take his rightful throne as the king of Israel and to make everything right again. So affirming their shouts would most definitely cause political uproar and set up a standoff not only with the religious leaders, but also with Rome. So Jesus refuses to be perceived as a political figure, and he retreats inside to avoid the commotion. But these blind men, they refuse to go away. They follow him because while they haven't been able to physically see Jesus' miracles, they've heard the news that he's been doing miraculous things. And their eyes haven't been able to affirm this truth, but their hearts know that it's true. They believe that he is the promised one, the son of David, and they have no problem shouting it out loud in the streets. So once inside the house, Jesus finally addresses them. He says to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They have begged for mercy and Jesus asks them if they really trust him. They've yelled that Jesus is the Messiah, but saying it and believing it, well, they're two different things. And so Jesus responds by prompting them to respond in faith. And so they respond to Jesus saying, yes, Lord. And then Jesus responds back to them saying, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And so he touches their eyes and immediately their sight is restored. According to your faith. This is not a magic trick, nor do these men possess the ability for their own healing. Jesus only has the power to heal. But he desires more than anything for them not just to exhibit lip service, for he wants complete and utter trust from them. So they express it in their words, but also in the manner in which they refuse to be ignored. 
So Jesus says to them, according to your faith, which is kind of like saying you believe and therefore I give you what you ask for. The writer of Hebrews defines faith like this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The blind men had confidence in Jesus. They hoped that he was the Messiah. They heard what he had been doing and they believed. They believed what they had heard, though they couldn't prove it with their own eyes. Now others saw plainly what Jesus had done, and they still refused to believe him. In fact, the rest of our text today deals with this after Jesus heals a man possessed by a demon. After driving out the demon, Matthew says, The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Matthew makes it clear that Jesus desires for us to have faith in him. The Pharisees saw what he was doing. Many of them witnessed his miracles with their own eyes and yet somehow continued to think that he was demonic. Their vision is crystal clear, 20-20, but they remain spiritually blinded to the truth. Yet the very ones who couldn't see are the ones who can see most clearly They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They believe that he's doing the works of God, establishing his kingdom on earth, and they will not stop until Jesus sees them. They are persistent because they truly believe that he has the power to heal and to be merciful in their situation. They see beyond the man from Nazareth, the carpenter's son, acknowledging him as the true son of David. You see, the son of David would save the lives of the needy. He would open the eyes of the blind, open the mouths of the mute, open the ears of those who were deaf, and open wide the gates of justice and compassion. Just like this photo that we looked at together, they don't just see a little boy who's wearing a bonnet. They see the face of God. And they trust that he's the promised one that Israel has been praying for and waiting for. And they not only shout it out, but they pursue him. You see, I find that we have so much to learn from these men of faith. We live in a time where we can look back at these scriptures and think to ourselves, well, why didn't everyone believe in Jesus? Why were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law so blind to the truth? But we look at it from a different perspective. We look at it from the future and not in the present And to be in the moment and to hear the miraculous stories of healings would certainly raise our awareness, but I find that it would also raise our skepticism. So often we need to see it in order to believe it. But even sometimes when we see it, we can still find reasons to rationally explain the miracle away. But faith, faith trusts in what one can't see or can't prove to be true. Faith believes in a God who commanded creation out of nothing, says the writer of Hebrews. Faith believes in the God who makes the impossible possible. Faith believes in a God who is born human in the face of Jesus Christ. 
Faith believes that Jesus is God and that he's not only lived for God, but that he died and was resurrected for us. Faith can't prove that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, we can prove that he was a real man and that he died. Even non-believers will admit this historically, but they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Son of David. That takes trust, belief, faith. And faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about that which we do not see. When I was serving as a youth pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina, I got to know a, a young lady, 17-year-old girl by the name of Hannah Sebesky. Now, I met Hannah through her father, Michael, who uh, worked at Dorman High School. He organized what's known as the, the FCA or the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And Michael would reach out to the local youth pastors and invite us to come and to bring breakfast to the kids there and to share a message from God's word. So I did this on a pretty regular basis and uh, got the opportunity to see some of my own students in my own ministry and get to know some other students from other ministries around us and maybe even some students who didn't have a church home. It was something that I enjoyed to do very much. And of course, the students who came always enjoyed a, a chicken biscuit from Bojangles or from Chick-fil-A. And so I met Hannah and Michael through that. Well, his daughter Hannah was diagnosed at 17 years old with a rare form of sarcoma cancer. It was a really horrible thing. And this family uh, truly had a faith like no other uh, many people in the community were praying for Hannah and for their family, praying that God would work a miracle, that God would completely heal her of this cancer. And certainly God heard our prayers and uh, God was able to <clears throat> work in Hannah's life exhibiting miracles in which she wasn't expected to live. And she certainly had more months than anyone had anticipated. She had an incredible faith in Jesus, and her testimony reached more than 550,000 people online who read her story on her CaringBridge site. But her cancer was terminal, and she didn't have much time to live, six months to be exact. The local news station interviewed Hannah actually just two weeks prior to her death. And she was asked by the local reporter if she worried about how others looking at her situation might perceive God if she was not miraculously healed. And this is what Hannah had to say. She said, sometimes yes. I hope that no one would ever forget all the miracles that have already been done and all the miraculous things the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Even if things do not go the way we would want them to go, God is still there and is still in control. And even though he may not choose to spare my life, doesn't mean that he's not the almighty God and still performing miracles. Well, friends, unfortunately, God didn't spare Hannah's life. And she died from the cancer that plagued her body. But she believed in what she could not physically see that God was still in control and performing miracles even in her situation. And Hannah believed that death was not the end for her, but only the beginning to new life in Jesus Christ, eternal life with God forever. And I assure you that there's no doubt in my mind that according to her faith, she received eternal life with Jesus Christ. 
In fact, this was Hannah's hope. And it is of which now Hannah's Hope Ministries exists to share this good news of her hope that came from Psalm 121 that we looked at together just a few weeks ago. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth, from the Lord. That was Hannah's hope, her trust in Jesus Christ, that no matter what happened in her life, that Jesus would perform a miracle. And so today, I wonder, do we have that kind of faith, that trust in Jesus, even when we cannot see the future? And we can say that we believe in him, but when things happen that we can't understand, when tragedy befalls us, when illness hits us, when we lose someone that we love or we have great pains and hurt, do we still have confidence? Do we still believe and do we still trust that Jesus is Lord? Do we shout out to God, have mercy upon us, son of David, and do we pursue Jesus until he answers us like those blind men? For this, my friends, is faith. Faith moves us into action. It reminds us that there is no other that we can trust or depend on like Jesus. He is God in the flesh, and he's come as a visible witness to the invisible God. And regardless of whether he answers our prayers or our cries for help the way that we want him to, do we still trust that he is who he claims to be? The blind men asked him to have mercy on them. They didn't actually ask him to heal their eyes, but he did. And truthfully, these men could see just fine. They knew who he was, who he is, and they believed that he was able to do this, exclaiming, yes, Lord. Friends, today I want to remind you that we too can also see like them. We too can trust and believe that Jesus is the Son of David, the one who not only hears our pleas for help, but also answers us with compassion, with grace, and with love. We just have to have a little faith, a trust that, that resides deep within our hearts, knowing that Jesus can, if he's willing. So friends, today I encourage you not to lose heart, regardless of any struggle or infirmity or worry that you may have but to trust wholeheartedly in Jesus Christ, our Messiah, the Son of David, and to pursue him, seeking his answer. Because it is true that faith pleases Jesus, and he wants us to wholly trust in him. And according to our faith, we will encounter and discover only the miracles that he can make happen. So friends, may we continue to trust in him, both this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.